everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Ice Sport Radio. That's right, it's the BSH Rest of the League show, and we're going to talk about everybody's favorite topic, everybody's favorite team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, Woo! they're coming to the... Yay. Finally, after all these years of being the league's little stepchild, they're coming to the forefront of the conversation. Yeah, we uh, never good, talked about them, ever. Good thing for those small market Leafs. They're really getting their due, finally. Uh, my name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of Funny Games for the evening. We have some fun stuff to get to, some uh, Matthews extension, uh, Kovalchuk coming back to the Devils. That actually already happened, but we'll talk about it. And, of course, the Calder Trophy now belongs... To Calder Hart, but let's just get it started with introductions. The one-armed woman herself, Stephalicious D. <laughs> Steph Driver. No one's gonna understand that. So I've I've got a blanket wrapped around my shoulders like a cape, and we clapped to begin the show, and I couldn't find my other hand. That's why Bill's yeah. calling me the one-armed woman. Um, so there's a whole we're we're gonna get into it, but there's a whole thing happening in Toronto, and I have to say I'm very here for it. Like their cup window is wide open. I think that this is this is the year, fam. Maybe this is it. They can do it. Uh, let's throw it to the other side to the resident Toronto hater it from may. theAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. So I'm going to talk about another Canadian market. Oh. Why in the heck are Duchesne and Stone even remotely considering staying in Ottawa? Like because I just don't I just don't understand this. I don't I, I understand the bullshit hockey loyalty thing, but it's it's Ottawa. It it makes dumpster fires look look okay. Like are actual, they actually literal considering it or are they just like saying out loud that they're considering it? They are they are listening to the sales pitch, and the reason why these both guys are not officially on the market is because Ottawa still thinks there's a chance they can convince them. I would have to, I, I would have told if I was Stone or Duchesne, I would have told them back in November that I'm leaving. Sorry. Thank yeah, but they're good Canadian boys. They can't be mean, so they'll listen. But I mean, I'm sure that their agents are under instructions to not accept any offer. They better bail. They really have to bail. I mean, Matt Duchesne is on camera earlier this season talking shit on the coaching staff. <laughs> and, like, yeah, I, I don't get it, Charlie. locker room cancer, Matt Duchesne. I don't get it, Charlie. It's, it's like, you have Artemi Panarin on an actually good, well, at least, like, watchable, decent enough team saying, yeah, I'm not coming back. And then you have these guys in the worst environment in professional hockey, and they're like, yeah, maybe. Like, is the eighth year that big a deal to, like, is that, it has to come down to that, right? Just the eighth year? I just think that it's lip service. I don't think that they're actually listening to offers. But why then wouldn't you, like, why pay lip service now? You do that, sure, in October and November, but now you have the opportunity to go join a good team. Good teams would line up for either of these guys down the stretch, and you can go play some playoff hockey. Matt Duchesne, when he forced his way out of Colorado, said, I only get so long to do this, I don't want to miss the playoffs every year. Well, bud, that's what's going to happen there. You, you play for a shit franchise. That, there's, that's all there is to it. Charlie, I've been watching this whole thing unfold, and when I read today, like, oh, yeah, well, the Simmons market will unfold more as, you know, the Duchesnes of the world and the, and the Stones kind of, those decisions are made. How aren't those decisions made already? That's, that's exactly my point. I just don't... I, I don't understand what like ev everything that Steph has said about like I'm so sick of the Duchesne thing in Colorado like I'm really sick of this not because it's necessarily getting over talked about it's just because I don't understand why these players haven't just basically just given Otto with a finger and said sorry I'm out of here not to mention I dream of Mark Stone <laughs> I would very much like him on the Flyers as well just imagine a first line of Giroux Couturier Stone oh my god they beat everybody I mean, well, you'd have to put Giroux and Couturier back on the same line. You could do that because Nolan Patrick's good now, but this isn't BSH Radio. We'll get into all sorts of stuff tomorrow. I tweeted out my schedule, fam, mostly just to make the joke that I can't pronounce the month we're in. But then, like, I decided to include the stuff I sent to you, uh, like the whole rest of the schedule. Um, but it will, we'll, we're recording BSH Radio tomorrow. Wednesday's our new day. We'll get into all of the Flyers-centric stuff. Let's go to Toronto now. 
Austin Matthews signed the extension. He's got the second highest cap hit in the league at 11.634, but only a five-year deal. Uh, it starts next year, but he still hasn't overtaken Connor McDavid's 12.5, which was signed two years ago. He doesn't sign the eight-year max. He will be a UFA he heading into his age 27 season, so it's not like he can't get paid huge money again. What do we think about this? How do we feel about the deal? Is it fair? Blah, blah, blah. You know, discuss. I'm very interested in why it's only five years and why it's like, very heavy on signing bonuses. Like, his actual salary is only, like, $700,000. So I, I'll, I'll explain why it's why both. So starting first with the, the length, it's great for Matthews. I mean, this, is, this gives him a chance at age 27 to cash in a second time. And you never want, like, for him, the cap ceiling is only going to go up most likely just due to inflation and just due to the way these things tend to work. So if he's still as good of a player as he is now or close to it at age 27, which he should be, I mean, as long as he didn't deal with injuries, he should be. There's a chance he could be getting, you know, 15 mil a year, 16 mil a year in the, in the next deal that comes out just because the cap ceiling is going to go up and teams are going to have more money to spend. You know, it, and if you look at it, really what it, what teams should, well, teams do it, what people should look at when they're comparing salaries of two different, you know, contracts with two different players is they should look at the percentage of the cap that the cap hit takes up once the deal was signed because that's actually the equivalent the equivalent of the deal. Um, and in five six years, five years for this one, it's going to go up. You know, so you're gonna. I, I think this ended up being something like fourteen point something percent of the cap is what uh, is what his cap it is now. You know, let's say he gets the exact same thing, but then the cap ceiling is a hundred million. Then you're talking about a guy who's getting fifteen mil a year. So this just puts him in position to get a bigger deal all the way into his thirties. So I think it's great for Matthews. As for the signing bonus, players want signing bonuses. I mean, they would. I. I you would, if you're a player, you'd rather have almost your your entire contract paid in signing bonuses than in um, than in salary for two reasons. Number one, because it protects you in case of a lockout, and that's important. But more importantly, is it's it's always better to get money up front because if you get money, let's say you get money on July 1st or July 2nd or when it gets paid out for the entirety of the year, that gives you 12 months that you can invest that money and turn it into more money. Whereas if you're getting paid every, you know, every two weeks or every month, I don't know how they're, how the money's put out. It's just less time you can spend, less time for you to make more money out of that money. So signing bonus are always going to be more valuable for, valuable for players and they should always want to try to negotiate that in if possible. I guess Matthews just had the leverage to demand it. Yeah, I always looked at it's always talked about in terms of uh, lockout protection. You have to pay a bonus even if the players aren't getting paid, you know, their regular salary because they're locked out. And I don't know how I don't know the timetable in hockey, but I believe in football it's either 10 or 14 days after signing, you get your bonus. They go, "Here's a check, sir." And all of a sudden, you're a rich person. Like so hey, even if it's yeah, Charlie would do the smart thing and invest it, but like you know, if I'm going to go out and buy a fleet of Sea-Doo's, as I would do, like, <laughs> I need that money up front to be able to do that. Uh, and I think it helps with that as well. Um, are we... He got more than Tavares, which was... I guess that was uh, expected in yeah. terms of cap hit, uh, fewer years and everything. How do you expect this to work out now with... Uh, how do you expect it to work out now with Mitch Marner? Of course, they now uh, the Leafs now have I have it right here highest cap hit allocated for their top two centers. With the way uh, Nylander's deal worked out for this year, they actually have three of the top seven cap hits for this season because of the prorated nature of signing in December. Um, Nylander's cap hit is over ten mil. It's like under seven for the duration of the deal, but this year it's over ten. Um, now what do you think Marner gets? How do you think this all works out? Well, he's going to get more than he's going to get more than Nylander without a doubt. I can't imagine. I, I think one thing that teams tend to do, and the Flyers did this with Giroux, is once you've got your best player locked into a deal, it kind of creates this like imaginary line where, well, obviously you're not getting paid more than him because you're not better than him, and everybody agrees on that. And that was kind of why I think Voracek came in like 
just a little bit under Giroux, and it was yeah, it's like a quarter of a million less. Yeah, and it was very like clear that. that was meant to be like, look, Jake, you're good, but but G's better, so you can't actually expect you're going to get. You expect we're going to give you more than him, and that can help a team out in the long term because, as I talked about, the cap ceiling goes up, so players theoretically could argue like, well, yeah, he signed for. 10 and but technically if you give me 9.6 technically like with in terms of percentage of the cap the cap ceiling went up like I should probably get more more actual money because of the percentage of the cap but teams can still point to that number one player and say you're not getting more than Austin Matthews you're not getting more than Claude Giroux and that's I think Tampa's done that too like teams tend to do that if they can get their guy under a reasonable deal but uh but Marner's gonna get paid I mean Marner's absolutely gonna get paid I would you know, maybe something like the Dreisaitl deal for him, mm-hmm. maybe like that makes some sense to me. But he'll probably ask for like nine. He's not going to get more than Matthews, but he's still going to he's still going to make bank. Yeah, I, I, it's somewhere between eight and ten, I think, which is a very large gap. Yeah, I thought it was. Uh, I was looking at Kucherov, who got nine point five. I was looking at something like that, maybe. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, Marner has 63 points, which leads the Leaf, which leads the Leafs, and it's the ninth most in the league. His 43 assists also lead the Leafs and are also ninth most in the league. And he's played all 52 Leafs games this year, played in all 82 last year, and 77 as a rookie. Now, I know Steph thinks this is a bad take. I'm sure Charlie does too. I'm not saying I wouldn't have given Austin Matthews this contract or he's not worth it or anything. But is there some reservation to pay a guy this kind of money who's missed 14 games so far this year and missed 20 games last year he did play all 82 as a rookie but charlie talked about the possibility of the contract moving forward and what he could maybe get at 27 if he doesn't deal with injuries he's already dealt with injuries so what what's the risk that you put him on LTIR and get that cap space back that you get paid that insurance money? Like there's no risk. I mean, if he's not if he's not on LTIR because he's just missing a couple of games here and there every year, I just think it's we have a huge chunk of our cap allocated to a guy who plays 70 games. Yeah, but when he so, when he plays, he's awesome. So Oh, he's inc- I'm not saying I wouldn't give it to him. I'm just saying there is a case to be made. Do you know who has more points per game than Austin Matthews? This season? Overall, since he started in the league. Whom? Alexander Ovechkin, and that's it. You pay that guy. You pay that guy no matter what. You pay the guy. I get it. It's just, you know, you can't help the team for the 20 games you're not in there every year. Right, but you're better than everyone except for Alexander Ovechkin for when you're there. I just don't see like the only way I, I would be concerned about this is if I was worried that like Steph made the point, what are you gonna do? Just put him on long term IR? Like, yeah, if he's on long term IR, yeah, there are some negatives to it in terms of what you can do with with trading space and whatnot. And obviously it's a negative because he's not playing. But you still get the allowance. You can still theoretically go out and get somebody else. The the big risk into when signing a guy who's quote unquote injury prone is if he plays, but he's just not effective because he's playing through injury. And to be quite honest, guys in their early to mid twenties, that tends to not be an issue. Like, I feel like those types of nagging injuries that really drag down the performance of a player, but he plays through them. They tend to happen in like late twenties, early thirties. So I don't think there's much of a risk there. Is there a risk? Sure, there's a risk with any player, and the risk with Matthews is probably a little bit higher because I believe he's had shoulder issues, and shoulder issues, you know, they can they can recur if you had the—I forget exactly what it was, but I think it was similar to the injury that Provorov had, and— um, and yeah, those can become chronic. Apparently, the doctors in Toronto swear up and down that this was this is an isolated incident. It's not going to become chronic. It's all good. But yeah, there's always a risk. But as Steph said, like you got a guy who's who's got the the second most goals per game since he's joined the league behind Ovechkin, and you, you kind of you know it's it's a matter of like what are you going to do? Trade him? Like no, you're not going to trade. Oh him yeah, in. no, there's he's, no. He's, he's going to get paid, so you want to be the team that pays him because he's one of the you know 15 or so best players in hockey. Oh, there's absolutely no alternative that you have to do this. And honestly, they might have got him at a little bit of a discount when you think about, say, Connor McDavid's contract was signed a couple of years ago. He's probably worth that cap hit now, like considering how the thing, how it goes up, like Charlie was saying. 
And I will say, while missing games can be a big deal, when you talk about guys playing through stuff, if they're just ineffective because they're hurt, but they're playing anyway, and the game's played number is still, oh, he played 79 games, he's fine. But he was ineffective for 20 of them anyway. <clears throat> I'm, I'm of the opinion now, just miss the games. Just miss a week or two and get healthy. Wayne Simmons, I'm talking to you. <laughs> uh, like, just miss the time. If you're if you're going to bring the team down, if your own performance is going to suffer, just play when you're healthy. Uh, Eric Carlson is at the very top of my wish list. I believe that he is a guy who you should play 70 games a season at this point. You should manage him and have him healthy for the playoffs. Uh, it's just going to be a thing with him at this age, but that's not going to stop me from giving him the $12 million I want to give him in free agency. I support this. All right, guys. So my bigger uh, concern with this whole thing is the effect on the free agent market. We have a we have an historically stacked restricted free agent class this season and the ufa class is not too shabby either of course if the guys in ottawa do stupid shit like stay there or uh you know eric carlson just wants the eight years and stays in san jose it could come down a bit but the ufa class not too bad either but how do you think this deal affects the rest of the market is he just a generational player and it's kind of hard to go ah you know it's 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 hard to him build everybody up when he's austin freaking matthews or do you think this has an effect on everybody else I mean, he is a generational player, but, you know, it's also kind of setting the market. Maybe not necessarily for Matthew Kachuk, but for Patrick Laine. I, th- I think it helps the market for the players, absolutely. I, I actually, I don't think Austin Matthews is a generational player. I think he's a very good player. I don't think he's a generational player. I think the only, you know, the only three players I would say are maybe generational players are Crosby in the game right now. Four: Crosby, McDavid, Ovechkin, and Carlson. And I guess and and Lundqvist. So we'll say five. I don't think Matthews is is that good, but he's definitely in like probably the next tier down. And you know, could you make a case that Braden Point and and Miko Rantanen are around his level? Yeah, I think you probably could. You know, especially Point Rantanen. I'm I still wonder how much of that is McKinnon. I, he's very good. I don't think he's he's on Matthews level, but but Point is is freaking awesome. Um. They're, it's going to help them because now, you know, one thing that's good about this deal, and I kind of tweeted about this um, today, is that teams really used to, especially over the last seven, eight years or so, teams really used to hold RFA status over players' heads because they knew that no teams would have the guts to, to offer sheet them. And this contract. This is like this Matthews contract is not a very good contract based on comparables in the marketplace. Like people that were that put up like similar numbers to Matthews and signed a deal after his entry level contract expired. The thing is, though, it's a fair deal for the value that Matthews provides, and that that's the thing. Like the NHL by by doing what really, in my opinion, was was collusion. They were colluding with each other to say we're never yeah. gonna, we're never going to going to going to offer sheet anybody, so we can all keep the the prices of our RFA's down. Well, this, I think, was the first time where Toronto kind of looked around and they're like, you know, this guy might be good enough that, you know, teams actually might offer sheet this dude. So they kind of had to pay him more than they would have ideally wanted to. And my hope is this kind of opens the floodgates a little bit because now that one thing you got to understand about the way the NHL, way NHL teams negotiate contracts is that it's all based on comparables. Like these, these teams do not have original thoughts when it comes to contracts. It's all based on who they could compare it to, you know, points per game, goals per game, games played, time on ice per game. And they just put, they basically put it into a model and they're like, okay, this is the acceptable range. Like I remember talking to Hextall last summer about Hague, you know, what are you going to do with Robert Hague? And he was like, well, it's going to be a one year or two year deal because that's what guys like him get at this stage of their career. And it was, it was exactly that. Like, that's just what they get, and he's in that range, and that's what he's going to get. And what's good about this Matthews deal is that now Matthews has has upped the high end. The high end is now higher than it's ever been. So now other players, even players that aren't as good as Matthews, can be like, well, you know, I'm not, you know, maybe I'm not Austin Matthews, but I'm not three million dollars a year worse than Austin Matthews. I'm maybe a million dollar a year worth than Austin Ma- worse than Austin Matthews, and that that it's like a, you know, what do they call it a a rising tide uh, lifts all ships. Like it's kind of yeah. that same concept. 
Yeah, the idea of resetting the market, which I think is very necessary be, for for both for both management and players, because we talk about that disappearing middle class of veterans, the 28, 29, 30, 31 year old vets who can't who are like playing for PTOs, and they're better than that. But they're also they're looking to get like paid for past performance because they got ripped off through their prime, a la Wayne Simmons. Yeah. Like Wayne Simmons is going out into a marketplace like, yo, I should have been earning seven this whole time, but I was making less than four, so I'm looking for six. Uh, and he should be getting four now. And since he didn't, like, I think this is good for both. Players are going to make market value for their prime, and then when they're looking for that second contract, obviously Matthews is going to be an extension. Because he could grow into a true freaking superstar and at 27 hit the open market, and that would be insane. But, uh, like, in general, I think this is good for both sides. You're not going to have the, like, terrible contracts given out to 29-year-olds just because this is how business is done and the back end is going to suck, but that's the way it goes. Like, I think you can just have more fair, sensical deals if guys get paid the way they're supposed to through their prime. I think that we're seeing a little bit of the, the changing of the tides in the NHL. Um, and I think that it started with John Tavares when he decided not to go back to the Islanders. Um, Austin Matthews has always done things smart. He's always done things that are in his best interest. He went to play in Switzerland as opposed to playing either juniors or the USHL so that he can get paid. Like he's I love always, that too. I, I fucking love it. He's always done things smart. So this doesn't surprise me that he's, it, he, he's structured his contract in a way that is going to maximize his, his earning potential. But I think that other people in the league are starting to pay attention. Other players are starting to pay attention. They're, they're paying attention with Tavares. Like, oh, you can actually make up your own mind as to where you go play. Like you don't have to stay with the team that drafted you. Um, You don't have to sign an eight year contract just because that's what's being offered. You don't have to do this. And I I think that that's not going to be bad. I think there's nothing but good things for the players and for the league in general going to come from this whole little learning experience. I think we're in the middle of. Yeah. And you, uh, you're seeing kind of the, the, the nightmare version of of this, if if it doesn't get reset and if, if Matthews just proves to be an anomaly and they go back to screwing over everybody as RFAs, you see the nightmare scenario that's playing out in baseball this year. I mean, base, the baseball offseason is the nightmare scenario of, hey, we're screwing over our kids, but then when the guys get older, we don't want them either because now, like, hockey is not smart yet in the way that baseball is. And basically what basically what baseball has hit at this point is that the teams are too smart to want to pay for the guys in free agency because they're too old and they're in decline, and they're right. They are. They're, they don't deserve the contracts that they were getting 10 years ago. But the thing with baseball is that baseball, in addition to getting smart and realizing those guys don't deserve the money they used to be getting, so they're not getting those deals anymore, they're also still gouging the young kids. Like, the way their system is set up, the, the, the guys in their early to mid-20s still don't get paid shit. And they've always been promised, like, well, yeah, we're going to screw you over in the beginning, but in free agency, you're going to get these massive deals and now over the last couple years baseball has been like yeah we're not going to give you them either so now nobody's getting paid and it's this mess and they're probably going to have to strike to get anything remotely close to fair wages for the value they're providing these franchises i have to think that that hockey agents pay attention to this shit they pay attention to what's going on in other leagues and they look at it and they're like you know what this baseball thing is a disaster we can't let that happen to our league because in 10 years hockey's going to be smart Hockey might not be as analytically oriented as baseball is. I don't know if it ever can be to the degree that baseball is, just due to the nature of sport. But it's going to be a lot smarter than it is this year. Like, a guy like Peter Shirelli would never have kept his job for an extra two years <laughs> in, in <laughs> looking 10 years into the future when everybody has 20 people analytic departments that are, that are running the numbers and building models and doing smart shit. So I think agents are looking at this and they're saying, hockey's going to get sort of where baseball is in about 10 years. We need to get out in front of this and make sure that our, you know, our 20 to 26 year olds are getting paid what they deserve before the gravy train of unrestricted free agency dries up because it's going to. It had to happen in baseball. Like, freaking Manny Machado and Bryce Harper.
Harper is still sitting out there because there's like four teams that are interested when every team has the money to buy them. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Charlie, because uh, you look at what's happening in baseball right now, and yeah, like that was the thing. You're an indentured servant in baseball until you hit free agency, and then you get wildly overpaid. Yeah. But in that sport right now, there's two anomalies in generational talents hitting the market in their prime. And they each have less than five suitors. Where I don't care what you say about small markets, blah, 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 the TV deals in baseball, every single one of these teams has the money. And, like, only two in the whole league wouldn't benefit from one or both of them. Um, And I'm looking at what's going on, what could go on with these other RFAs. Now, Toronto, I think, has worked it so that they can fit all of these guys in, at least the core pieces. Like, Jake Gardner's not coming back, but they can fit in the rest of their core pieces. Um, Looking at what's happening in Tampa Bay, if there's not an offer sheet to Braden Point this offseason, the players should absolutely strike next CBA because there is collusion that GMs are just not doing everything they can to make their teams better. No matter what kind of gymnastics Tampa Bay pulls off, they're not going to be able to pay Braden Point what he's worth based on this new Austin Matthews model. If you go and offer sheet him at 11 or 12, you're getting him if he signs. If he wants to take the hometown discount and stay, whatever. But if he wants to make what he's worth, well, you should offer sheet him because he'll sign it. Yeah, Tampa's Tampa's in an interesting spot. I mean, that's why this year, like, they freaking better win the championship. Yeah, this they year have to do it because I mean, it's not even just point. Like, I could I could see them figuring out a way to to convince Braden Point with their voodoo magic to take a discount because they've convinced so many players to take discounts. But I mean, shit. Then then the following year they got to pay Vasilevsky, and he's yep. gonna he's gonna want Bob money. Like, he's going to want, you know, eight, nine mil a year to play goal. He's earned it. Yeah, like, I mean, they're they're going to have to – I don't know how they're going to do it. I really don't know how they're going to do it, but I agree. You know, points a guy who, yeah, teams should be should be offer sheeting them. I just wonder – Tampa's weird because they've convinced – they convinced a couple guys to take deals less than what they could have gotten elsewhere, and I legitimately wonder, like, I mean, obviously the, the, the tax thing helps, helps them because of Florida, but – I mean, I know, I know, Eiserman's gone now. It's it's Breezewah, but like, he needs to pull off another miracle with Braden Point because that guy deserves, you know, at least nine mil a year. And you, if if this is the new model, if this is the Matthews model, he can very easily point to Austin Matthews and say, "Okay, I'm not Austin Matthews, but like, you're not you're not giving me seven mil a year. Like that ain't that ain't flying." Yeah, they uh, they kind of need to win the cup this year, don't they? Like yeah. this. I mean, they're not going to because Toronto is, but they uh, they kind of have to. Even this if, core like, is you... not this. It's they're looking worse than the Blackhawks. I mean, they have a lot of these. They have a lot of really good players locked up. You can't fault them for going. Hey, we have a lot of good players, and we're paying them like that's what you pay for. It's not like they're you know. It's not like they're paying Andrew McDonald five mil a year here, <laughs> but. Even with, like, you look at a Ryan Callahan potential buyout. It comes out today, hey, you're our 13th forward. You're not going to be playing unless there's injuries or stuff. He's got one year left after this year at 5.8. He probably gets bought out. But then you you look at a guy like uh, Andre, or who is it? Who who gets the big raise? Yanni Gord, after this year, goes from 1 million to 5.1 million, almost 5.2. Like, so there wipes out your cap savings from Callahan. You're going to have to pay Paquette at some point. Uh, Adam freaking Ernie is pretty good. He's he's an RFA this year. Like you're gonna need to fill in some holes on defense because you have a bunch of pending UFA defensemen and they're all getting old. Like uh, it's they you're gonna be able to steal one of their players and if someone doesn't, it's because there's a there's a an agreement around the league not to use this weapon. Like if I'm Boston, that's the thing is if I'm Boston, I don't care. If if uh, if Mitch Marner signs with my team or not, or if Braden Point signs with my team or not, I'm offering 13. I'm just doing it. Cripple your rivals. Yeah, if they match, they can't do anything else. If they don't, you have a really good player locked up through his prime. Are you overpaying him? Maybe, but maybe not. Yeah, not by much. Yeah. 
It's, it's worth it, in my opinion. Oh, I think it's very much worth it. Uh, hey, I ran through the 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 Marner numbers. I don't think Marner should get more than Matthews. I think it's all kind of predetermined, and they have these things worked out. But for the other teams in the league coming upon similar situations who kind of don't have this, and you also look at Tampa Bay, like they've kind of gotten everyone to take those discounts. Yes, because of the tax thing. There's no state income tax in Florida. But you play half your games outside of Florida, so it's not the biggest thing. But there's also this idea that we're building something special here. Well, you look at Stamkos. He's 29. He's not. He doesn't have a ring. If they if they don't get it this year, he'll be 30 next year before the playoffs start without a ring. And you go down the list, and these guys who are 27, 28, who took these discounts thinking, I'm going to be part of a dynasty, well, you're not the Blackhawks. It didn't happen. You know, look at the Blackhawks now. Well, I would, I would. I mean. I would right. blow up my future for the for three cups in six years. It's worth yeah, it. Yeah, that's fair. You do <laughs> it because too. it's 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 going to end Pretend regardless. Pretend I didn't say that. It's going to end regardless. Yeah. So, and 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 get, one of the things that I do want to point out about cap situations is that, like, a lot of people make a big deal, and this this has come up a lot today on on with regards to the Maple Leafs, is that you know oh you can't have all your cap locked into a few good players. Like no, that's fine. You can absolutely have a lot of your cap locked into a few amazing players. What you can't do is you can't you can't screw up the rest of the roster. Like yeah. if you're if you're gonna have Crosby and Malkin sign the massive deals, and if you're Toronto, you're gonna have Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and Tavares sign the massive deals. Like that's fine because they're all really good and they're all worth the contracts. They're probably even gonna provide surplus value past what you're paying them because they're freaking awesome players. What you can't do is you can't have a Zaitsev on your books. If, yeah. if you if you're Tampa, you can't have a Ryan Callahan. Like you can't make those mistakes because if you do that's what's going to bury you and also you need to be funneling in the cheap kids you need to be funneling in the guys on on entry level on entry level contracts because if you're not doing that you're not going to survive so you got to keep drafting well and that's the key but you can make it work you just can't like what kills these teams like what what's killing chicago right now is not taze and kane they're still good. It's the fact they're playing Brent Seabrook $7 million a year. Yeah, like it, yeah. it's, it's the bad players they have under contract that are burying their cap situation. Like, Yeah, like are, are, are Taze and Kane overpaid? Taze maybe a little. Kane is probably getting paid what he's worth. Yeah, Kane's getting value. Like, but like Brent, Seabrook is, Brent Seabrook is getting paid $7 million a year. He's bad. Duncan Keith is getting paid five and a half mil a year. Granted, you do that deal every day because he was great in the beginning of it. But guess what? He's not a five and a half million dollar defenseman anymore. He's thirty five years old. He's lost that three. He's lost three steps. Brandon Saad isn't a six million dollar a year player. Artem Anisimov is not a four and a half million dollar a year player. Like that's what's burying them. It's not the guys at the top. It's the guys in the middle. And I'll tell you, that's an advantage I think the Maple Leafs have. And we talk about how uh, teams like Chicago and Detroit sustained their greatness with that pyramid scheme. Every good Toronto boy is going to want to be a part of this thing. If if this team reaches what it's supposed to be, you can go out and tell Brad Richards, hey, one year, one mil, get your name on the cop. Like, you can can tell everyone that. And I think it's. Come on home. Yeah, it's, it's. Did you have these bed sheets too? Like, (laughs) true, the true hometown discount. Yeah, that's the yeah the hometown discount for players who are actually from that town. All right, I think we've talked this one through, guys. I want to talk about something. It's a little old at this point, but uh, I think we should at least mention it because it was a big deal at the time, and the Flyers just had the you can play n- night, and so I think this stuff kind of all ties together. The Kendall Coyne, Pierre Maguire, I just just weirdness. It was just like. Watching it, I was like, this is, it's like one of those things when it's so awkward you have to change a channel. I was like, ugh, this is, this is just weird. It's the way he's talking to her is so off-putting. Why are you speaking to her like she's a child, sir? That's a grown woman. Steph, uh, you are the woman uh, on the show tonight. Kelly could not be with us, but you are here, so I want to open it up to you first. What did you think when you watched it? Like, just what? What did you think of this whole debacle? Well, I didn't watch it, okay. for one. When you saw it later. Um, you know, Pierre sucks. <laughs> just, like, full stop. Pierre's creepy when he talks to men. He's creepy when he talks to women. I could 
give my opinion about how I would feel if, if he talked to me like that and it's not favorable. But, you know, what really matters is what Kendall Coyne has to say. Um, and she said that she didn't take it as an insult to her intelligence or to her experience and that she and Pierre have known each other for a long time and that he's just a weird dude who gets excited. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what it is. Um, at the end of the day, you know, speaking generally, women are treated like crap in hockey. You know, this happened very recently to me and Kelly right here in Philadelphia with people who cover the team. So it's it's not a surprise. It's something that happens and it sucks. But Kendall Coyne wasn't offended. Kendall Coyne didn't think anything of it. That's I think she did a good job of walking the line of, yeah, I get when I watched it back, it was weird. But like and she's also no matter what she thinks, like I'm not discounting what she said out loud. But she's, like, going to want this job, <laughs> like, or at least be invited back. She's going to want to maintain a relationship with NBC. And for whatever reason, Pierre is their goddamn golden goose for some reason. Yeah, they've, they've hitched and the rise of Pierre Maguire. And Charlie, you laughed, but I do think there's a part of it that, yeah, Pierre's just a weirdo. Like, he's just a weird fucking guy. <laughs> so, like, that's bailing him out of, yeah, he's not a sexist. He's just an idiot. But my, my reaction to the thing from a guy who's just sitting there watching going, this is just strange. Why are you talking to her like this? What did anyone expect? It's it's Pierre. Like, what did you think? We were going to have some great progressive moment for, for women everywhere, and we were all going to come together and go, this was the moment women's hockey was taken seriously by the mainstream. Like, no, it's Pierre and NBC. This is what was going to happen. Well, the thing with, the thing with Pierre is that and this is something that's that's kind of followed him around his entire career. And I'm I'm going back to even when he was a coach. You know, there's that there's that famous article that gets thrown around whenever um like when whenever he does something stupid, which is quite often. And uh, <laughs> it's from when he was head coach, and basically Yager was like, "Man, I I've never wanted to score a goal more just to shut up that know it all." Like Pierre Maguire has always thought he was the smartest person in a room when he's in an arena with tens of thousands of people he still is convinced he's the smartest person in a room and regardless of who he's talking to he's always going to talk down to that person because he thinks he's the shit and he always has and he always will now i do believe it was intensified around a woman because if he thinks he's smarter than all men i imagine that he probably thinks he's even smarter than all women because i assume that's just his philosophy because he's an older white man who doesn't seem to espouse progressive principles very often publicly um but like as you said bill i this wasn't when it has i wouldn't say i expected it because i just didn't think much of it until it happened but when it happened i was like yeah that makes sense that he would do that because yeah. he thinks he's smarter than everyone else and of course he would think he's even smarter than than the woman they bring on here even if she could literally skate circles around him Man, he is so smart, he knows which teams are on which benches. <laughs> I mean, the amount of experience covering NHL games it takes to know which teams are which and what bench they're going to be on, I my God, hats off to that guy. It really is quite the job. So um, there's just one other thing I want to mention. Okay. Um, because it's been said so often, he's just a weird dude. He's just a creepy dude, but he's harmless. Now, we're talking about Pierre Maguire. If he were not harmless, we would already know. Um, but that's an excuse that a lot of men give to a lot of other men without actually knowing that they're harmless. So I would really, really like for men to stop saying that because a lot of times when people are a little bit off and a little bit creepy and a little bit weird, but they're harmless to men, they're not harmless to women. Again, yeah. not specifically talking about Pierre Maguire in that instance, but I'd really like people to get out of the habit of saying that. Yeah, I think that gets said a lot about uh, people who might have... You know, people who might not be harmless. I think it's being said more in a context about Pierre. Like, listen to the guy talk. His sentence structure is strange. Like, he's just, like, a weird guy to listen to rather than he follows women around. Like, I don't think, you know, it's I, being said in... 
I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think anybody insinuated that. Like, you can, yeah. you can have, you can believe that. Like, you can have the bias to think that men are more qualified to talk about hockey than women without like harassing women. Yeah. So I yeah. don't think anybody was arguing that like Pierre Maguire is like this you know serial harasser. Or whatever. It was just that you know does Pierre, do, does Pierre Maguire think that because she's a woman that she just doesn't know hockey as well as him? And I think that's legitimately possible. I mean, you know, you obviously can't see into the you know the mind and heart of someone, but based on like that, that's a fair way to interpret that inter- that interaction. It totally is. Yeah. I have a question for you guys because I was reading an article on ESPN today by everybody's favorite Greg Wyshynski. Uh I like I like him a lot. I know uh, I know opinions vary across across you know this I like show. Wish. He's fine. Uh, I I know. Uh, I like him, and he wrote this article. Don't boo Ilya Kovalchuk to uh, to Devils fans. He himself is a Devils fan, and. Uh, he, the Kings are in Jersey today. It's Kovey's first game against the Devils. The report and the game has already happened, as, as I said at the top of the show. And the report was there were some boos. Um, obviously, you know, it, it's the Devils, so the the reaction isn't going to be loud all that much either way. Uh, but I just listen. I get that it all worked out, and it was probably for it was probably to the Devils' benefit that Kovalchuk did what he did, just walking away. Um, but man, he quit. Boo the shit out of Ilya Kovalchuk if you're a Devils fan. Screw him. What? It, like he deserves to be booed. Yes, boo him. 100%. Absolutely, boo him. And also boo the Devils because they're fucking terrible. And. <laughs> There are bane of my personal existence. I don't know why you wouldn't boo him. I, I guess, I, and I guess maybe this is coming from a Philadelphia perspective, but yeah, well, it, like we, it does, yeah, like obviously there's going to be a bias there. We um, boo. Yeah, we do. We we enjoy it immensely. Um, I just kind of go back to uh, to JD Drew. Like, you know, he, this is somebody who basically told Philadelphia, "I don't want to play for you." So of course he's going to get booed. Should he have gotten batteries thrown at him? No, of course not. But he should have gotten booed the shit out of. And I, and like with with Kovalchuk, yeah, you know, did did the fact that he left sort of help them in a way because it cleared up their cap situation? Yeah. Did Koval, was Kovalchuk a primary driver of that random run of the cup they had before he left? Yeah. Did he just bail randomly because he wanted to leave New Jersey? Granted, it's New Jersey. I understand why he wanted to leave, but anyway, he up. still left. <laughs> yeah, he did. So boo him for it. I, I think it's yeah. a totally rational response to to somebody up and leaving and leaving you without a superstar player. Yeah, the point of the article was basically like, hey, in hindsight, this really worked out for us. It did. Like it, it just like but the, it's the, the way it worked the for the cap, the way it worked for their roster construction, everything that could have gone wrong, uh, kind of just didn't. So what's the point of booing him? He got us to a he was big part of a random cup run that we shouldn't have even been on. So just you know, give the guy a nice little polite golf clap or whatever. Uh, I just never pass up the opportunity to say F you to somebody. Like, there are people from my childhood whose houses I still plan on egging, like, this year <laughs> at 30 years old. Oh, like, good. Like, you've got you've got a long-term plan, too. Yes, yeah, <laughs> Steph has her burning houses down one, right? Charlie, I swear to God, if I get indicted because of this podcast... <laughs> Oh, I've made it known, like, I'm going to be in the middle of the day, standing in the road, drinking a beer with a carton of eggs, lofting them at, like, enemies from my uh, preteen years' houses. God, yes. uh, Anyway, yeah. See, so. see I, I have people that I want to get vengeance on, but I want to, like, do it in a way where, like... It's like I, I'm very much in favor of the like revenge is a, is a dish best served cold. Like I want to basically get them to the. I, I want to do it in in such a distance where like they're not quite sure if it was actually vengeance, but deep down they know it was, and I know that's what I want. And I want it to be like in a subtle way, like you know, oh, I have the opportunity to hire you for a position. Ah, eh, no, and I'm also going to recommend to everyone that no one hires them, like that kind of shit. Well, I think I just figured out the problem with my career. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I just want to ruin people's lives, but only a couple people. I just want to egg someone's house and then look at me doing it and be like, what are you doing? And I'll be like, you know why. <laughs> you know why. And then continue doing it. 
Uh, all right, so I saved the best for last, and I'm sure we're going to get into a lot more Carter Hart conversation on tomorrow's BSH Radio. But since we since we did the midseason awards recently, and I have, after Monday night's win, decided to push as hard as I can to lead the Calder Hart bandwagon, let's talk about his possible nomination for Rookie of the Year. Now, we talked about how he can easily work his way into a nomination and be in the top three and all, but we kind of think Elias, I think is how you say it, Pedersen has it wrapped up, um... Rasmus Dahlin also having a good season. Miro Heskainen doing pretty well as well, but honestly, I don't think we have to worry about him, just like we don't have to worry about Klingberg uh, getting any Norris votes. So right now, Carter Hart is 10-5-1, 9-25 save percentage, sub-250 goals against, and an 8-7-9 goal saved above average. His net, uh, If they win on Thursday... His eight-game winning streak will tie the all-time record for a winning streak by a goalie before his 21st birthday. Any chance at winning the Calder Trophy? Winning it outright? Well, by the time this is posted on BroadStreetHockey.com, there will be an article about whether Carter Hart has a chance to win the Calder. Oh, So, um... I think yes. I think that there's definitely a shot. Um, things, A lot of things are going to have to go right. Um, and I think that they're all long shots, but he should absolutely be in the conversation. This this team, it was, it was the worst stretch of hockey I've ever watched in my life. In my life. Um, and all of a sudden, hockey is fun again. And it's all because of Carter Hart. Like, he has... He he's he's been the team MVP. He's been the fan base's MVP. Like he has rejuvenated a city, and he deserves to be recognized for that. I also think he's going to win the Vesna. By the way, <laughs> okay. I I think he's I, I I find it difficult to believe he won't get nominated unless he like really falls off a cliff, which yeah, is possible. Yeah. He's a twenty year old goalie. You know, maybe he'll hit a rough spot and then you know not play well, and he's a, his save percentage will be down below nine ten by the end of the year. Certainly hope not, but it's always possible, especially with the young goalie. The one thing you got to remember about Carter Hart, and this is going to help him in in voting. I think for to be honest, for quite a while, is the fact that he's got the Canadian media contingent on his side. I yep. mean, he he won the friggin' World Juniors and was a primary reason why they did. And Canada always gets shitty goaltending performances at World Juniors. So the fact that Hart did that, like, he's a guy that they all know. You know, they all know and they all like. And, you know, he's like the future of Canadian goaltending because Carey Price is getting older. Like, Hart is the guy who, if he becomes as good as we're hoping he's going to become, he's going to be in every single Olympics for Team Canada. So he's going to get that boost. Do I think it's going to be enough for him to pass Pedersen? Probably not because Pedersen has been an amazing player for a team that otherwise is really bad. Um, and Pedersen's scoring all the goals, and Pedersen played the entire Not year. Not against Carter Hart. But, um, but no, I, I mean, he, there's, I don't see any way that Carter Hart does not get nominated at this stage because of the – he's obviously going to get the East Coast contingent. He's going to get Canadian contingent. I think that's yeah. going to be more than enough. Charlie mentioned the Canadian thing, and I think that's big. And another issue – and another thing I think he has on his side – Writers vote on this. Now, Charlie's pragmatic, and he's, you know, uh, does things the right way, honestly. But overall, what do writers love? A story. And the story is this 20-year-old, a 20-year-old goalie, is willing his last-place team into playoff contention, and not just any team. Not just the Columbus Blue Jackets or the Dallas Stars or the Calgary Flames. No. It's the team that has been missing the one thing that he is forever. The goalie-starved Philadelphia Flyers have a 20-year-old goaltender dragging their corpse of a 31st-place team into the playoff. I think he can get it done, and I think he can win it if his numbers hold. Um... How many starts and wins do you think it would take? Like, there's uh, the Flyers have 29 games left. How many starts do you think he gets from here? What's he at? 16 now? 16. So, and they have 29 games left. Uh, I think he gets 20-ish, 
So yeah, let's, that was my number be my last guess. night. Because they do want they do want to give Stolar some games. Yeah. And uh, and I think there's a decent chance that Elliot gets a couple games. Um, just because I do think that there's a. Uh, Unlike with Neuvert, who they're just done with, I do believe there is a loyalty to to Elliot because of him being the good soldier and because he's popular in the locker room and because he came back from that injury to play in the playoffs last year when he clearly wasn't 100%. Like, I think they'll give him some games, if only just to show other teams that he can still play the position and is worth, you know, a cheap deal in uh, in free agency. So I think he'll get a couple, and I think they want to figure out what they have in Stolars. But obviously, Carter Hart at this point gives the team the best chance of winning games, so you want to lean on him. I mean, if they're, I'd say around 20, but if they're actually going to try and make this playoff push, which, by the way, I think is ridiculous, but here we are, he's going to get more than that. I think he's going to carry the the lion's share of, of the games and the starts, which, again, is ridiculous, but you make a really good point, Bill. Like, Philadelphia is the city that kills goalies. Yep. Philadelphia is the city where goalies come to die. And and here's this perfect little angel boy. Yeah, this cute little 11-year-old who has who's too tall. Like, to like be gangly aging. little toddler. Yeah, like, here we go. I just think it's a good story, and writers can't resist a story. I think if he gets to, he's at 10 right now. Say he breaks this record. Uh, for consecutive wins before your 21st birthday, say he gets to 9 or 10. Um, let's say he gets to 20, 22 wins on the season. I mean, I think it's. I, I think he really could challenge Pedersen. I know it was one game, and I'm a little biased, but I watched Pedersen the other night, and I get that he's scoring, but I wasn't all that impressed. Just saying, he didn't score against Carter Hart. He just looked really impatient. He got one shot off. I don't know. I just didn't love his game. I've seen games where he's looked amazing. I just he's he would have to fall off. Yeah, he'd really he does have to fall off. It's, it's or get his. hurt, and he has gotten hurt a couple times, so that's possible. We thought that he was hurt yesterday. Yeah, I mean, he's a very skinny boy. He's a very small child. He needs to put on lots and lots of muscle in order to not get regularly injured at the NHL level. Awesome player, but he does need to put on muscle. Yeah, I don't. I yeah. think Carter Hart has a good chance if if all of the things go right, if all of the things go right, and <laughs> against every single odd, the Flyers make the playoffs. I think that he should be in the conversation for the Calder, the Vesna, and the Hart, like that, because there's there's absolutely no way that this fucking god-awful team would have been in any type of position without him and i think that's where we will leave it tonight folks that is it for ice sport radio thank you so much for listening if you haven't already please make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed search broad street hockey wherever there are podcasts you can find us it's not that hard to do just hit that subscribe button, and while you're at it, leave us some nice words. Give us those good ratings. We would greatly appreciate it. For Steph and Charlie, my name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody.